Genesis, in the book of Genesis, the Bible, Genesis is, means the beginning, right? The, the, the Genesis, the beginning. And, and it talks about how God um, established the heavens and the earth and all of us and so on. But it's really unique because it says that there was darkness and the earth was, was without form and void. And that darkness covered the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the waters. And I've always said this, that the Spirit of God is not afraid of dark, formless things. Things that other people might be afraid of or want to run from or want to change. He's there. He's in the midst of even that. The Spirit of God is moving. And then the Bible says the first thing that God says in the Genesis is let there be light and there was light. So God speaks in the darkness what he wants to happen and it happens and they tell me, you can study this for yourself, that light has never stopped. Light continues to expand and growing other universes even as we speak. Light is still moving and still going. The power of God's words God said, let there be light, and there was. In other words, the earth moved from one season to the next just like that. It went from lights off to lights on just like that. Somebody say amen. amen. Say this. Say, it's a new season. The title of my message this morning is Prophesy in the Dark. Prophesy in the Dark. Father, we love you so very much, and we thank you for your presence in this place, Lord God. And I am not worthy to stand in this sacred pulpit except for the fact that you called me and therefore I humble myself under your mighty hand. And God, we all do, as a matter of fact, we humble all of ourselves before you. Lord, your presence has been rich to us. We even sang about prophesying, Lord God. There's something in the atmosphere today, Lord God, that is here because you desired it to be here. Now I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you use me for your glory, that I would speak forth your words, I'd pray unhindered, unchecked by any demonic forces, that your people will receive with gladness your word, Lord God, and that they would have wisdom, Lord God, beyond what I have. In other words, they would attach it with revelation that would go far beyond that I went here today, that they'll never be the same again. Those that are in this building, those that are watching us this morning, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen and amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let me share a word that I received from the Lord in March of 2020. So this is March of 2020. Um, and I, I, I journaled, journaled it, so some of it's journal, some of it's the word of God. Uh, as I was praying in the spirit several days ago, uh, I began to feel such a tremendous peace sweep over me. And out of my mouth, I spoke and said, change, 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 change. I felt that God was preparing us for tremendous change as it pertains to how we minister in the future. There is no doubt that we will never be the same after the coronavirus pandemic. Not only, by the way, that, that just that we heard about it, but we had just gotten shut down. So that was in the month of March 2020. Not only the world would change, but the church will have to adapt to, to the need to reach people in different ways. God is wanting to expand. He is wanting to reach more people with the message of salvation through his son. Brick and mortar church buildings will become repurposed in the decades to come. They will still serve a very vital purpose, but coming to church 
will be a different meaning altogether from what we have been accustomed to. The church will really become the church rather than just becoming us going to a building. In the coming days ahead, it will not be about church growth. It will be about church reach. Pastors will be much more strategic in planning for church reach rather than church growth. They will not spend their days trying to grow their churches, but more in growing their reach with the gospel. That same morning, I had a dream, and um, I was invited to a prophetic church meeting, uh, not to speak, but to partake. We were seated, my wife and I were seated in the front row. Before service was about to begin, a woman behind us took an interest in us and struck up a conversation, very nice lady. Then the pastor introduced this prophet from Australia, and as soon as the prophet took the mic, he began to make his way toward us. Then the woman behind us stood up, this is the woman who was talking to us, stood up with a microphone, now realizing she was a part of the ministry team from Australia, and she began to call people's names. She stood in front of me and said, I'm looking for a Jeffrey, and then looks at me and Robin and says with a smile, you might as well go ahead and stand up. As if to say, today is your day. We were surprised. The prophet came over to us. He laid his hands on Robin and me, and, and she, Robin, was instantly slain in the spirit. Then he came over to me and said with a smile, well, you look surprised today. Then I laughed and I said, it's just been a while since I've received a prophetic word. He then laid his hands on me and the power of God overwhelmed me so much that it frightened me. I fell back, but it was like I was being pushed underwater peacefully, but still I felt a reverent fear of how powerful God's presence was. It shocked me. I began to lose my hearing as if I was literally going underwater and thought to myself, pay attention to the words you're about to get. All I heard the prophet say was this, 1989 and 1999 were very significant years of change for you. 1989 is where we started the church in Beloit, and in 1999 we started a church in Milwaukee. And then I woke up from the dream. Here's my understanding of all this. I wrote this. I believe that significant change is coming to the church. Ministry, is pri ministry priority is changing. A revival is coming that will be overwhelming and will bring back the fear of God. God, and I felt that fear as I was going under the presence of God. God is preparing us for a new day, a new season, but we will have to prophesy it and be the forerunners of it to manifest. And so what the Lord was showing me in the dream was, Yes, all that was true, and I went under, and I felt the power of God, and I felt um, God has said significant change was coming to, to us. He gave me 1989, 1999. Now, he's speaking specifically over me, but I don't believe it was just me. I believe I was a representation of the body of Christ. Remember, I was not a speaker. I was just someone sitting on the front row. I wasn't a speaker. So I was somebody that, that was participating that got a word from this man, my wife and I both, and what's significant was the man prophesied it. So the Lord showed me in this dream that in order for this day to manifest, it would need to be prophesied. In other words, you would have to speak in a time where it looks like all odds would be against that word, but you continue to prophesy it and walk it out by faith because you know it's about to come to pass. Somebody say amen to that. In church, if you're going to see change happen in your life, you're going to have to get in the spirit to do it. 
And that means you've got to rid yourself of all carnality. Now, I know that's easier said than done. But that is where we've got to go in the spirit. We've got to get out of the place of the carnal where we're all the time in our emotions, heart on our sleeve or living up in our chest, as they might say, or, you know, or, or always upset about this or upset about that or, you know, your, your, uh, your emotions take over in this area or that area. It's time for us to get back in the spirit, okay? Are you ready for this this morning? Now, this might, I might lose some of you on this one, but this is how it's going to go. It's Sunday morning and we go in there, praise God. Praying in tongues is how you're going to get there. Praying in tongues is how you are going to get there. Praying in tongues releases you from your natural understanding into supernatural direction and strategy. And if there's ever been a time that we need God to move on our behalf with direction and strategy, it's right now. And it's not going to come through your natural understanding. Therefore, God's given you a gift by way of the Holy Ghost that if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and have the evidence of speaking in tongues, that gift now can work on your behalf to bring strategy in your life and to bring direction in your life. Amen, somebody. Because we're, we've been too long in confusion, too long in darkness, too long in areas that are gray, too long in not knowing which way is left or right. God wants us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. God wants us to have direction. God wants us to have uh, no confusion. Somebody say amen. It's time for us to walk with some articulation in our life, knowing the direction that we're going so that we're not soon shaken off of the path that God has us on. Come on, somebody. Because on the path that God got you on, there are robbers up ahead. There are marauders up ahead. There are those that are going to try to pull you off, try to take you off the valley and beat you up. But I'm here to tell you, you've got a spirit on the inside of you that will tell you what's, up, what's coming up around the horizon. Will let you know before you get there. Take a left here or take a right here. God is the greatest GPS system you've ever known. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I said, pray in the Holy Ghost. We'll get you there. Hallelujah. You may be seated in this place this morning. This ministry, you know, going back in time, you know, we're here today because I was praying in the spirit. Because I didn't know what to do. I'd come off of um, what I would consider a failure in my life. Something that was hurtful. Something that was embarrassing to me personally. And I had never experienced that before. And so here I am and, and I'm, I'm just humble before the Lord now. Lord, you know when you go through stuff, you, you get before God and say, Oh God, I, if you can use anything, <laughs> you can use me. I felt like, you know, scum, you know. And so... I committed to God, and I, every morning I would pray. And that was my behavior and always has been anyways, but I really prayed in the spirit because I didn't know what to do next. I didn't know what to do. And so I'll never forget, and, and um, as I was praying in the spirit, God, God spoke to me. And, um, and this was an interesting thing because um, we had not yet come off of that time in our life where this failure had completely stopped and hadn't ceased yet. And um, it was a church that we were, we were trying to build. We were doing the best that we could do, and it just wasn't working the way we wanted to work. And, and out of all that prayer and, and, and just, just frustration and not knowing what to do, it was on a Sunday morning, 
after I'd preached to this very small congregation of people, and I was uh, 29 years of age, and, um, and I remember taking my Bible, and you've heard the story so many times, and I went into my office and put it down to come back to greet some of the visitors that were there that day. Matter of fact, it was the most visitors we'd ever had before, so I was pretty pleased about it. You should have heard me preach. I was preaching big time, boy, that day. I was excited. We had people that came, amen. So um, anyways, and so I, I was coming back out, and, and the Lord just arrested me. And I, and I shut the door, and his presence dropped on me so strong, and I, I felt so, so much just the love of God and yet this tension of what's, what's, going, what's happening. And he spoke to me about coming here, and I had a vision. In the vision, it was a direct assignment of what he wanted me to do coming here, and yet he, I was in a completely different place. I never saw this for nothing. I wasn't coming here, y'all. This was not where I was supposed to be in my mind. But, you know, God has plans for your future. Someone say amen. So don't ever fret that. All this frustration was not, was not for naught. It was for something important. It was to build my character, to get me prepared for more. And I didn't realize that at the time I was just struggling. And, and I believe with all my heart it came because I was praying. I was believing God and praying in the spirit because I didn't know how to pray, didn't know what to do. Then I had to turn the corner. In my mind, he's going to give me an answer how to make this happen. But it wasn't this. It was something completely different. And so... You know the story mostly on that one. And yet, I didn't know where to go. And so I committed to God. Lord, I, I, I said, I, I know you want me in Milwaukee, but where do you want me in Milwaukee? I'm not from the area. I don't know what's north, south, east, west. I don't know what's center. I don't know anything about Milwaukee except for it had, it had great beer, from what I was told, and it had a zoo. That's all I knew. You know, I, I didn't know much about it other than that. And so, um, and so I said, Lord, where do you want us to be? I don't know how long I prayed like that, days and days, because I didn't know where to go. You know, it's important to know where you work. It's a big city. Where do you go? And I, I'm telling you, one morning I woke up in, when I was in prayer. I had my cup of coffee, and I heard God say, the south side. Go to the south side. What's on the south side? Lots of Hispanics, I found out. Praise God. But I didn't know that at the time, amen. And so, and so we're here, we've been on the south side ever since. My point to you bring that up is all that direction and strategy that I needed. And by the way, by the way, we landed on the, on the, on the south side. God called us here. Didn't know how, how that was going to work. Uh, now it's becoming much more integrated than it's ever been before. Uh, you People know that. You, you see that last 10 years in particular. It's really become much more integrated. But at the time, it was pretty heavily Hispanic. Both my children have married Hispanic Spouses. I have Hispanic grandchildren. I told you I'm a black man in a white man's body with Hispanic tendencies. I've told you this for years. Now I got proof. Hallelujah. And so, and so um, praying in tongues, I believe, released that destiny for where we're to be, but released the destiny for my children who I didn't even know that, that they were even going to be in that direction at any point in that time of their life. So that's a very important directive for the, of praying in the Holy Spirit. And look, you don't have understanding when you're speaking in tongues. Do you? You really don't. You're just, you're just praying in the Spirit, right? So you are doing what? You are acknowledging God with your words. You're acknowledging God with your words. Don't fall asleep because I'm teaching now. I'll get back to preaching in a second. Hang with me. Statement here. Faith moves the heart of God. Uh, okay, y'all ready for this? Tears do not move the heart of God. 
if we're staying biblical. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to help you. I'm not saying that God doesn't have pity. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to wipe your tears away. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you what the Bible says, faith moves mountains. Faith moves God. Emotions do not. Faith builders. Church of God. Right? So we cannot allow ourselves to get locked up in our emotions because then we think, well, God will have pity on us. God, you know, we, we whine and cry enough, then God will see that and then he'll respond because he's a loving father. And he is a loving father, but he put principles in the earth for his people how to live. And that's to walk by faith and not by sight, which represents your what? All of your five physical senses. It really does. So praying in tongues is an act of faith that moves the heart of God. And I can tell you, praying in tongues for me has kept me at peace and has built my faith when I did not know what to do. When I was in trouble, I didn't have the answers. When my people came to me, you, and I didn't have answers and I was troubled with you over what was going on in your life, I would pray and do pray in the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that if I pray in the spirit, I build up my most holy faith. I'm activating it. It's, a, it's an act of faith that's building up my faith and making me strong, saying I may not know the answer, but I know God does, and I know everything will be okay. I know God's got his hand involved in this thing. So what am I doing when I don't know, when I'm in a place of, 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 of this uh, turmoil in my life, and, I, and I, I begin to speak in that unknown tongue. I'm building up peace in my life. I'm building faith in my life. And what's happening? While I'm speaking in tongues, watch this, y'all. little controversial. But while I'm doing that, I'm prophesying in the darkness. Because the light's not on. I don't know which way to go. I can't see. But when I speak in tongues, I'm prophesying in the dark. Someone say amen to that. It's the beginning point. It's the genesis, if you will. It's my moment of speaking and saying, let there be light when there's no light available. Luke chapter, rather, I'm sorry, look at uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Familiar passage, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, everything you got, and lean not on your own understanding. Because how far is that going to take you anyways? Heck, my understanding got me, partly got me in the trouble I'm in now. So why, I'm not going to do that. But I'll trust the Lord with all my heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. How many of your ways? All your ways. I'm talking about everything. Everything in your life. We're acknowledging God. Acknowledging God. You got that parking lot, parking space close? Zero degree weather to target? Father, I thank you for this parking spot right here in Jesus' name. Well, what if he didn't do it for you? He did. He did before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. That was already there for me. I acknowledge you, God, for working on my behalf in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. I said somebody say amen. 
You get a deal in line somewhere. Come on, somebody. Uh, you get a little uh, money off of something. Father, I thank you so very much for getting that 10% off of that. Thank you, Lord God. Next time it'll be 25%. I thank you for remembering me. I'm acknowledging God and everything that I do. Somebody say amen. I have taken cold medicine and taken the cold medicine and started feeling better. And I said, thank you, Lord, for this cold medicine. I acknowledge you that you gave somebody some wisdom how to make something that helps these symptoms out. In all your ways, acknowledge him what happens. And he shall direct your path. Paths. Right? He's going to direct your paths. So that tells me that light will come on the scene where there's darkness. This is what we're looking for, church, because we're living in a world today where it seems like it's getting darker and darker. And for those of us that know the Lord are, are in the way, not in the way like physically, but I'm saying in the way spiritually, in the way. They used, they used to call Christianity the way. Amen, somebody. And, uh, and, 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 and it was because it was the way, the truth, and the life. So now the people that are in the way become very discouraged because we're walking a certain way in life and we're seeing how the world is just topsy-turvy. But let me just tell you something about the world you're in right now. Yes, there's some things that are concerning. Yes, there's some things that are disconcerting. Yes, there are things that are tough right now. But I will, I'm here to tell you, you look back over history, this is nothing compared to what other people have got to go through. Christian, there's something called the dark ages. That lasted a very long time, and Christ was barely preached anywhere on the planet. That is what we call darkness. But we still live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth, thank God, and you are in it. And I think there needs to be some more patriotic. We're going to have to, this July 4th, I want to do some stuff because I really feel like we need to have more patriotism in our, our country, more patriotism in our churches today because we're not, we're not, we're not, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. Lord, help me. Maybe I'll just pray, that I'll do the rest in tongues. Y'all can just catch up. Amen. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Praise God. Well, I'm, I'm struggling financially. I know, but you still live in the greatest nation in the face of the earth. I guarantee you, you woke up this morning with a roof over your head. Most of you had a concrete floor at least to land your feet on. Did you know that about 80% of the world woke up this morning on a dirt floor? And you got problems. And they had to chase down their dinner today? You, I had to stand in line and pick and save for an extra 15 minutes today. It was so packed. When are they ever going to get enough checkers around here? Ain't got no, they want me to go self I can't do the self-serve line because I got too many of these items and it breaks down every time and I got to call the guy over. I got to stand here with two checkers and no baggers. And I'm the first one to complain because I remember back in the day there was every line had a checker and every line at the end had a, a young kid that was a bagger. They used to have, y'all don't know about baggers. They used to call baggers in those days. And they paid them kids whatever they paid those kids. And I wanted to be a bagger when I was a kid. And they, boy, they'd throw them items where they'd catch them. It was amazing what they could do. And then they took that and you got a number. And you took the number. You didn't have to even go do anything with your groceries. And you pulled your car up. And they put the groceries in the car for you. Memories. But my point is we complain about things like that because we get upset because we had to wait an extra 15 minutes. But they had to go with a bow and arrow and chase down their dinner today. And you got yours already killed, sliced, diced, seasoned, cooked if you want it, delied. 
but you got problems. And I, I, hey, I'm preaching to myself. I can preach this good because I preach to myself. We forget sometimes how great we have it in our nation, but we want to complain about how bad it is. Well, there's this in our nation. There's that in our nation. Yeah, well, I'm telling you right now, you think it's bad here. Go somewhere else, I promise you. At least you have a voice to say something about it. They kill you in other nations for it. Amen. Woo, Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost on that. I'm gonna leave that right there. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, changing gears for a second here, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So Paul the apostle was making it very clear. I, I do a lot of praying in the spirit. Yeah, you see me write some pretty good letters and stuff like that and helping you out. And I've had some mysteries shown to me that have been incredible. But I'm telling you, I, I, I speak in tongues more than you all. I spend a lot of time speaking in tongues. By the way, he spoke in tongues a lot. That means to tell me, you know, when you're locked in prison in that place of darkness, what are you doing? You're praying in tongues a lot. You're just, you're broken down. You got nothing else you can say about it. He also said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man or mature, I put away childish things. He was saying spiritual things are not for children. They're for the mature. And church, we need to grow up. We need to mature in our faith with God. You know, God's wanting to do some stuff for you for the last five, six years, but you haven't matured. We, we, we don't grow. We don't, we don't allow ourselves to actually assimilate the knowledge of the word of God by revelation and then take it and by faith walk it out so that we can grow. And I'm here to tell you, it's most of the time through the tough times that we deal with in life that causes the greatest growth spurts that we've ever had. It doesn't have to always be that way, but I'm telling you, by and large, I don't know about you, but I use those times for growth. Amen. And in order for us to use the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to have to grow up, right? So when I get, when I talk about prophecy and I talk about ministering to people in prophecy, I'm not talking about immature prophecies. And what I mean by immature prophecy, you can give one person one, I don't know, God just spoke this to me, and the Lord just, just said, just to say, wisdom. That's all the word I got was wisdom. But that's not an immature word because that word was the word God told you to give and that word may mean, it. oh, he's been talking to me a lot about my decisions lately and I haven't been wise in my decision. Oh my God, he's speaking to me through you, right? That's not, I'm talking about the immaturity of the deliverer, the person that gives the word, the lack of character so that when God gives you something, you're responsible for it. You have character. You don't just go around trying to make a name for yourself. Back in the 80s and 90s, we would call it parking lot prophecies. We used to call it corner counseling, praise God. They pull somebody away, I have something for you. And they would do that so nobody else could judge it, nobody else could see it, and then they would do it so they could what? Garnish a name for themselves. Now you can lean upon me because I've got some answers for you. And then people that are not mature see that and go, they're my prophet or they're this person, and they're not. I'm talking about that kind of growing up to the place that our character begins to say, you know, I don't mind speaking the word of God, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that people in our church, some leaders know that what, that's going on as well so they can have a, a record of what's happened as well. And by the way, you'll want that in the end. You'll want that record because somebody lies about you and go, no, that's not what was said. This is what was said. 
You know, I was thinking about this, again, just changing gears here. I'm, all, I'm feeling all over the place because I feel the Holy Ghost. But I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking, you know, how interesting it is that the major television ministries that are out there right now, okay, major television ministries and even some of the major Internet ministries, right, that are out there that are worldwide are networks that are that people that run it are spirit-filled Christians, that's an interesting thought to me. Not that we have anything against anyone who's not spirit-filled. We know they're saved. They're going to heaven. Spirit-filled doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It just means that you're missing a piece of, of the power of God that he wants to give you here on earth to use the gifts of the spirit. But we're seeing that trend has been there. And, and by the way, isn't it interesting that it's always, almost always, should not say always, but it's almost always the spirit-filled believer, Christian, that's being attacked by people? You see these, these, these um, pastors or these evangelists, and they call them televangelists and everything else, and they get attacked, and they're all spirit-filled people. And you think, why is that, go what is going on here? By the way, I know some of them. I don't know all of them. Some of them I wouldn't give you two cents for, praise God. Some of them need to get off the airways because they got nothing to say. Some of them are charlatans that are after your money. Can I just get real, let the apostle come out of me real quick? If they're up there telling you for a $1,000 seed, you can get this and that, and I'm going to send you some spring water from Tulsa, Mississippi. I don't know where you get it from. He says the Holy Lamb. I don't think that's true. From my tap back here in the back, whatever he's going to do, and then take your prayer requests and throw them away in the dumpster. If you want that, that's the, that's the result you're going to get. That $1,000 seed would be a waste of your money, but I do believe this, if you'll ask God to forgive you, praise God, for not having discernment about that, I believe God will give you a harvest because your heart was in the right place. But a lot of times what happens is, I'm going to be honest with y'all, because my people, my people are not like that. Our people, I'm, I'm kind of telling you this, but you ain't even, ain't nobody in this room did that because I know you because you don't give $1,000 away too quick. You ain't like that. You know, I'll be praying about that one. I don't really need the spring water right now. And I got a pastor who prayed for me anyway, so I'm good. It's like the com comedian had said one day, he was, in the, was back in the 80s, and he's, he said he was, uh, he was on a beanbag. <laughs> and he said, it's back during his, you know, getting high days. And he's sitting there getting highs, and he's eating a bowl of Cheetos sitting there. He said he turned on this televangelist, and the televangelist said, oh, God wants you to send me in a, uh, this, that. No, he goes, God, no, this is what he says. <laughs> God, said, God says, he said, I see somebody right now, and you're watching me. He says, you're sitting on a beanbag. He's like, oh, my God. I'm sitting on a beanbag. And he said, and he said, and you've been getting high all day. He's like, I've been getting high all day. Turn it up. He says, and you're eating Cheetos. He says, oh, my God. He said, the Lord told me to tell you, you're to give $1,000 to ministry. He goes, that ain't God. <laughs> I'm thinking... You probably had it right, praise God. <laughs> My point is, don't get caught up in that stuff, okay? Don't do that. I did in the very beginning days when I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. My dad said, ah, you better watch that guy. And sure enough, came out that they were just nothing but a charlatan and that kind of thing. So you got to be real careful with that stuff. But I noticed that, um, that but spiritual Christians will get picked on the most. The good ones. I'm talking about the good ones that serve God more than anyone else. What is that? 1 Corinthians 14, 38. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with 
tongues. Okay? So out of my ignorance, what? I can, pro- I can, I can prophesy by speaking in tongues. Now, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contend that when I speak in tongues, I am prophesying. It's a different form. It's not in my language. It's in the language of God. But I will contend for the fact that I believe that when we, when we speak in tongues, we are prophesying. Yet there's a distinction, especially when ministering to, to others. Because when I ministered to the say, I just pull out Nate, and I said, I got a word for you. And I come up and I just look at him and go, Roma Sandra. And I start speaking in tongues. Well, who does it profit? It doesn't profit Nate because he doesn't understand what I'm saying. Wouldn't that be the, I mean, for, that'd be the great way for a prophet to go, right? He wouldn't have to do any, any work. He'd just pray over everybody in tongues. And the Lord told me, you interpret that. You're going to get the word of the Lord. Whoa. That's a different way of doing the prophetic. But so there's, it's, 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 it's distinguished. So when I, I'm saying when I, when I prophesy, when I speak in tongues, it's in my prayer time. It's in my declaration time. It's, I'm prophesying. And even sometimes I can prophesy a word like that over Nate with my tongues, but then there, there'd be something called the interpretation of tongues. So I would have to interpret or somebody else would have to interpret that, and that would be the prophetic that's gone forth with that, okay? Amen. And by the way, we're supposed to prophesy, not terrify. God, the prophetic was given for edification and comfort. Not to freak people out, praise God. The Lord says, I hear the bell tolling. You've got three days to get your house in order. That's scary stuff, right? And maybe once in a while the Lord will do that. But I'm telling you, as a norm, it's edification and comfort. Okay? There are things, can I be honest with you? I'm going to always be honest with you. There are things that God shows me about a person that I know that are bad, not good. And when I prophesy over them, I'm hearing other things from the Spirit of God that are good. And it's an interesting dynamic because just because you know by the Spirit there's certain things that are wrong doesn't mean you divulge that. That's for you to know this is what they're going through. This is what they've been through. But God says this about them. I cannot tell you the number of times even I've been angry at some of you all. I've had prayer lines and I was like, this person's ticked me off. I know it's hard to imagine a preacher getting upset, but it happens. For the most part, that doesn't happen. And I can't even think of one right now, but I'm just saying it's happened. And I get to them, oh, yeah, I got a word for you. I got the word for you. Now, how many knows that's my word? And factually, I am correct. And I lay my hands on them, and I mean, God gives them a word out of heaven that's so beautiful and so full of grace and love and mercy. And they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And God saw your faithfulness. I'm thinking to myself, saw your faithfulness. I'm thinking, God, this ain't right. You know what I mean? I want to see some action on this person right now and not this guy. But it didn't come out that way. And I'm so grateful to God that I allowed the Spirit of God to use me that way and teaching me. It's not about what's in your head, son. It's not what it's about in your emotions. It's about what I want to say. And what I want to say is paramount. It's not what you want. It's what I want. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 4.29, let, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. There it is. But my question this morning is, 
who will be the one to speak, to stand in the gap of what's going wrong in the world? Who will have the boldness to stand in the darkness and prophesy light, prophesy change, prophesy a new season? Who has that kind of daring boldness and audacity? Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Jonah, I felt like Jonah. I was just telling you about that little story that kind of felt like Jonah a little bit. God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh and prophesy these words, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. He doesn't want to do it, doesn't want to do it, doesn't want to. Why doesn't he want to do it? Because he knows God has mercy. He doesn't want to look like a fool. He doesn't want to go there and do it. He knows God has mercy. And he prophesies after being spit up on the land. Can you imagine Jonah? What did he look like? He lived in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Can you imagine being spit up by that whale on that beach? He's just walking around, got seaweed hanging, skin all bleached. He must have looked crazy. And now he's prophesying, saying, yet 40 days, Nineveh, yet 40 days, Nineveh, yet 40 days, Nineveh, and you shall be destroyed. And they repented. The king repented. And they repented. And God removed that word from them. And Jonah's like, man, Right? Again, God does what he does. He used the prophecy, even though the prophecy did not come to pass. It was because of God's mercy that it did not come to pass. Tell Hezekiah, get his affairs in order. He's going to die. He's got two weeks to live. That's all he's got. Tell him to get his, day, get his stuff in order. He turns to the wall and repents. God, remember the good. Remember the good I've done. I'm sorry if I've done wrong. And God hears him and goes back, tell him I'll give him, more, I'll give him seven more years, whatever it was. I'm going to give you more time. That's the mercy and grace of God. That prophetic word did not come to pass, but for good reason. Moses, I'm done with the stiff-necked people, God said. Just you and me, I'm going to kill them all. I'm done with them. Sick of them. He said, not so, Lord. You swore an oath. You said in covenant that you would bring us out. How will it look to the other heathen nations that you are not a man of your word? You don't keep your word. And he says, very good. And he relented from the thing he said he would do. Abraham, take your son, your only son. Take my mom Mariah and sacrifice him there. But watch this. Abraham in the dark prophesied and said to his two servants, I and the lad go yonder to worship, but we shall return. He prophesies. Moses prophesied. Jonah prophesied in the dark. I tell you what we need. We need some grown-ups in the body of Christ to stand up and prophesy. Instead of a bunch of weak need, second-guessing, woke babies who cry mama every time trouble comes around the corner. You know, I was thinking about this. We need some of those World War II veteran-type men and women that have that fighting spirit, that have grit and goal, who will storm the gates of hell with strength and a valiant heart and not back down. 
Those men, I, you, what, you, know what this, you know what this culture needs to watch a bunch of World War II vets talk. Uh, the greatest generation, that they call it the greatest generation. Let, the, let them talk about what they went through. Because we don't have the World War I guys on video, but we got the, those two on, the, the, the two guys. We have them on video. Let them talk about what they experienced and what they went through. There were men that were 40 and 45 years of age that had families that were signing up for the war because they did not want this nation to fall to communism. And bled and died. You, 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 talk, about, you talk about amazing. I'm not talking about all ethnicities. They all fought in that war. And they were tough, gritty, strong. I love, man, that stuff, that just bowed them. None of this, well, I don't feel... Oh my God, where did this weak need stuff come in the first place? What is that, PTSD? Is that, that, stuff? that stuff's real. You know, that was a, that's a term that we know now. It wasn't like they weren't having those troubles then. And you asked them, uh, what happened? I just got over it. These people were tough. They come back with anxiety issues, all kinds of problems, and they're just like, well, I, you know, I just had one day, I just had to face it and get over it. No drugs. No counseling. I'm not even saying that's wrong. I'd be the first one signed up for drugs and counseling. But I'm saying them, they're so tough. And we can't get Christians to even get out of bed on Sunday morning to come to the house of God. It's not enough to want to just live for God. Are you willing to die for God? You live for something so much that you're willing to lay your life down. You love it so much. And these men and women laid their lives down in these wars. And we can't, I'm not saying right now, but I'm saying we can't get up and celebrate. And our, our celebration is just having picnics and having some fireworks. Instead of saying, man, we thank God there were people like them that were willing to sacrifice their lives so we could have our freedoms. We live in America, not communistic China, not impoverished India. We live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. You shouldn't, you shouldn't curse the darkness. You ought to prophesy in the darkness. My family will succeed. My family is healthy. I don't care the color of my skin or the amount of money I got in my bank account. I know my God will provide for me in a great land. He sent you here. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about how we're victimizing our children and teaching them about victimization. That is not how we're, we, we, all of us, including this one right here, over the last 20 some years of having a, a church of different ethnicities, I've had to learn so much because you don't know what you don't know. So you gotta learn. I've asked questions and I'm like, Every single time I bring it up, pastor, since the 60s in particular, we fought for equality. All we want is to be equal because we deserve equality. 
We don't need to be pushed down and say, we're the victim, we're the victim, we're the victim. And this group of people's got us. That's not God for you. Especially if you're a child of God, that's not for you. Or you will become a victim the rest of your life. I'm so glad to see people standing up talking to school boards and screaming loud and being heard and saying, this ain't for my child. I worked too hard. Thank God. Y'all got to wake up and understand this is all trying to bring this nation to a place of socialism and then into communism. Wake up, folks. And it's not new. It's been happening every, every, every like 25, 30 years. It raises ugly head. But right now, they got money now. They got some stuff now. They, they're rolling with some stuff now. And where's the church in all this? Are we going to be like the church? Are we going to be like the church over in, um, in Germany that knew what was going on with the Jews and just stayed silent? Are we going to be like the church that says, hold on a second, whoa, hold on. We're not going to allow that in. I've tried my best to keep myself out of place of politics. But I, I'm finding it very difficult because even Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And I'm finding out more and more, I have no choice. I'm, I'm left with no choices. At some point, somebody's got to speak up and say, hold everything here. What's going on? What in the world is going on here? In Canada, we got pastors being arrested because they opened their doors for church. Is this, what's going on here? Man, we need to be thankful for what we have. It's not perfect. There's hurt in this country. There's problems in this country. There's shame in this country. Yeah, but let's teach it all. Let's not leave one thing out. Let's, let's teach it all then, all of it. That, that's why I love the Bible so much because it's, it just says everything. It didn't say David was a friend of God. It said David also was a, a cheater on his wife, an adulterer. Tells the whole story. Then we all benefit from it. Somebody say amen to that. Y'all still with me? Okay. Okay. What do we do in darkness? Prophesy. What do we prophesy? Now be careful when you say it. I'm going to prophesy desire in my heart. Now, hold on. That's not what the Bible says. God will give you desires in heart, but there's some, there's some prerequisites. I'm going to close with this. He tells the prophet, go to the valley of dry bones and say to the bones what's in your heart to say. Or does he say, say to those bones, thus says the Lord. But I don't know what God's saying. I haven't heard God in a while. I don't know. No, hold on now. You got a Bible. You know what's in that Bible. Open your Bible. Start prophesying the word of the Lord. Man, that word of God has got so much in it. 66 books. Come on. Some, one man used to say, 66 bags of seed. You can take a seed from any one of those books and plant that seed, and it will grow and give you 30, 60, and 100-fold return on it. Somebody say amen to that. So we're going to stand up, and we're going to prophesy the word of the Lord in the face of darkness and command, let there be light.